some of you can relate to some of the things that you saw in that video. And I wanted to share some questions that I came across as I was preparing for the message this week. Are you busy, tired, stressed out, and stretched to the limit? Does life seem a little out of control? Do you need help prioritizing your life? If so, you're not alone. The frantic pace of life is wearing many of us out. Our biggest struggle is balancing all the stuff we have and all the stuff we do. Every week we juggle a long list of to-dos. Go to work, go to school, go to the gym, go to the grocery store, go to church, spend time with kids and family and friends, and then repeat all of the above. But have we ever slowed down long enough to evaluate our priorities or even find out what God's priorities are for our lives? God knows that when the stuff in our lives gets out of balance, devastating things can happen. That's why he wants to help us get our lives back in balance. And church, that's what we're going to be focusing on in the next few weeks. Now, I want you to do this. I want you to take a look at this Bible verse. It's from a translation of the Bible called The Message by Eugene Peterson. And it describes two different ways that we can live. This is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. One final word, friends. We ask you, urge you is more like it, that you keep on doing what we told you to do to please God. Not in a dogged religious plod, but in a living, spirited dance. Now think about it, there's two different ways that we can live. We can plod from one day to the next, and sometimes that's exactly what we do. Or we can live a completely different way, and it's described as a living, spirited dance. My wife Chris and I have four granddaughters, and they all love to dance, and we love to watch them dance. And this last um, Christmas season, just a month ago, we were up in South Carolina, and our youngest granddaughter, her name is Luna, she just turned five, she started dancing, then her sister started dancing, and pretty soon, the whole group was dancing, and I thought about the fact that God calls us to live with joy, and the life that God calls us to live, the life that he promises to us really is a dance. It's not this plod where we just somehow get from one day to the next, but it raises an important question. Where do you get the kind of energy that it takes to live life? as a dance. And here's a one-word answer, balance. I'm convinced that one of the reasons we feel like we don't have the strength to meet life's demands is that our lives are often out of balance. And balance is a very important thing. For example, there's the balance of nature. Ecosystems are designed by God with checks and balances that ensure the survival of plants and animals. In architecture, there's a need for balance. Engineers know that forces affecting a structure like a bridge have to be balanced, or what will happen to the bridge? Yeah, it'll collapse. In the human body, illness and disease occur when our bodies are out of balance. In fact, there are certain cells in your immune system that must be perfectly balanced if you're going to stay healthy. And the same principle of balance applies to your life. Any aspect of your life can be out of balance. Working too little or too much too much can throw your life out of balance. Anybody ever experienced that? Um, eating too little or too much can throw your body and your life out of balance. Spending too much or too little time with friends can throw your life out of balance. Serving too much or too little in your church family can actually throw your life out of balance. And there are two major symptoms that can alert us to the fact that our life is out of balance. And this is on your outline. Here's the first symptom, fatigue. You feel tired much of the time, and not just tired physically, 
but tired emotionally, tired mentally and spiritually. You feel like you're running on empty, like the old Jackson Brown song. And the second symptom is this, frustration. You don't feel like you're making much progress in your life. You feel like one of those um, hamsters that runs on a steel cage, and you're running really, really hard, but you don't feel like you're getting anywhere. And sometimes this is the source of frustration. We feel like we're doing fairly well in one area of our life, but not in another. Sometimes we feel like we're doing well at work, but we're not doing so well at home. And the question is, does the Bible really have anything to say about living a life of balance? And the answer is yes, it does. In fact, the Bible gives us an example of someone who lived a perfectly balanced life. And who do you think that was? Yeah, it was Jesus Christ himself. Now, I want to show you some verses, and these are a description of Jesus as he was headed into his teenage years. This is from Luke chapter 2. Jesus is 12 years old at the time, and Luke writes, And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. And there are four areas or dimensions of life mentioned in this brief verse. First of all, Jesus grew in wisdom. That's the intellectual dimension. He grew in stature. That's the physical dimension. He grew in favor with God. That's the spiritual dimension. And he grew in favor with people. That's the social or emotional dimension of life. And during the next few weeks, we're going to look at each one of these areas so that we can learn how to balance our lives. Now, there's a key principle for our study, and you'll find it there on your outline. And this is what it says. Jesus is the model of the life God wants us to live. And Jesus is the source of the life. God wants us to live. See, Jesus shows us how to live the life that God intended for us to have. But he does does more than just show us how to live. He actually gives us whatever we need to live that kind of life. He enables us to live. He gives us strength and wisdom to live a life that pleases God. So that's what we're going to be looking at in the next four weeks. Well, first of all, in order to meet life's demands, we need to be this, and this is on your outline, we need to be mentally focused And by that I mean mentally focused on God's truth. Jesus lived a balanced life because he was wise. Now where does wisdom come from? Well, it really begins by focusing your mind on what is true. Look at these verses. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now why is that important? Because our thoughts determine our emotions and our emotions determine our actions. So saturating our minds with God's truth and guarding our minds from things that aren't true leads to wise actions that can enable us to balance our lives. Look at this next verse. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. How? By working really hard? By sure willpower? No. By the renewing of your mind then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You know the old saying, you are what you eat? You ever hear that? Well, think about your mental diet this last week. What have you been feeding your mind? Is it junk food? Is it home cooking? Is it gourmet cuisine? Let me give you a famous statement by Jesus, and you can fill in the blank. Are you ready? Jesus said, you shall blank the truth, and the truth will set you free. What goes in the blank? Yeah. You shall know the truth. And that isn't just to know about the truth, but to know the truth by personal experience. And here's how that works. When you focus your mind on the truth, for example, that Jesus died so that you could be forgiven, and you act on what you know, you actually receive this forgiveness, it frees you from the past, from guilt and regret and shame. 
Or how about this? If you focus your mind on the truth that God's God has promised to provide everything that is necessary to accomplish his purpose in your life, and you act on that by trusting him, it will set you free from worry and anxiety. In order to meet life's demands, we need to be mentally focused on what is true according to God's word. And secondly, in order to meet life's demands, we need to be physically energized. That's the next thing on your outline, physically energized. There was a Peanuts cartoon one time, and Lucy is playing center field, and a ball is hit, and she says, I got it, I got it, and it drops to the ground behind her, and she turns around, picks up the ball, throws it to Charlie Brown, who's on the pitcher's mound, and she says this, sorry about that, manager. My body doesn't seem to want to do what my brain tells it to. Charlie Brown says, I can understand that. My body and brain haven't spoken to each other in years. God made us in such a way that our brains and our bodies are connected. What goes on in your mind affects your body, and we all know this. Now, let me show you a verse that really points this out. This is familiar to many people. It's from Isaiah chapter 40. It says, he, God, gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord. Now, where does that take place, hoping in the Lord? What part of your body? Yeah, it happens in your mind, in your brain. And, and notice what it says, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Where do we experience that? In our body. So there's a connection between our thoughts and how we feel physically. And the verse goes on, it says, they will soar on wings like eagles, they will run and not grow weary, they will walk and not be faint. The thoughts that you think affect your level of energy physically. Now, we know the Bible is real clear that our body was created by God, and there's this great mystery in the scriptures. It says that when you become a follower of Jesus Christ, that the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, actually lives inside you. And there's a verse in the Bible that says this, you are not your own, you've been bought with a price, therefore honor God with your body. And we're gonna be talking in the weeks ahead, how can we do that? Well, obviously, you know, rest and diet and exercise and other things that we choose to do with our bodies because what we do with our bodies affects us not just physically, but emotionally and spiritually as well. So quick review. To balance life's demands, first of all, we need to be what? What's the first thing? Mentally focused. The second thing is physically energized. And here's the third thing, emotionally connected. To face the demands of life, we need the support and encouragement that comes from being connected to other people. And why is that? Because that's how God made us. If you think about the first person in the Bible named Adam, he lives in a perfect world. He has a perfect relationship with God. And yet God looks at Adam and says, you know what? Something's not quite right here. Look at this verse from Genesis. It says this, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be what? Alone. Why? Because God made us for relationships, not just with himself, but with other people. I will make a a helper suitable for him. And here's another verse. This is from the book of Ecclesiastes that makes a similar point. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. Had a conversation this week with a, a young pastor that I'm developing a relationship with, and we were talking about this idea that you really need people in your life that can encourage you and support you. And I said, can I ask you a, a personal question? He says, yeah, sure. I said, do you have any friends that you could call at 2 o'clock in the morning if something you know, was up in your life? And he said, well, Dudley, actually, I have a whole lot of people that I could call at 2 o'clock in the morning. I just don't know if any of them would answer the phone. Do you have anybody that you could call who you know would answer the phone? I love this quote from C.S. Lewis. 
He said this. Friendship is born at that moment when one person says to another, what? You too? I thought I was the only one. Isn't that true? When we open up, when we share our lives with each other, that's what fosters friendship. And remember this, even Jesus needed a friend. On that night that he faced the greatest challenge of his life, going to the cross, he asked his three closest friends, Peter, James, and John, to watch and to pray with him. And we need to follow his example and be emotionally connected to other people. And here's the last way to meet life's demands. We need to be spiritually aligned. And that is spiritually aligned with God's purpose. One time, I was on the west coast of Florida on Sanibel Island with my wife, Chris. We were driving around just looking at, at the scenery and we saw this sign that I thought was, was really profound. It, it raised a very deep philosophical question and here's what the sign said. What if the hokey pokey really is what it's all about? It's quite a thought, isn't it? And here's what I thought of. You know what? In order to meet the demands of life, we have to know what Life is about, we have to know our purpose. You know, Rick Warren wrote a, a book called The Purpose Driven Life, and it answered the question, what on earth am I here for? And I am convinced that so much of the boredom and the restlessness and the frustration that we see in our culture is because people do not have a purpose greater than their own self-interest. Now here's a verse that I shared with you a couple of weeks ago from the book of Ephesians that says this, be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. If we want to live a balanced life, we have to be spiritually aligned with God's will. Jesus, again, is our model because he was perfectly aligned with the will of his Father. That's why Jesus would get up early in the morning and pray. Because he wanted to align the events of his day with the will of his Father in heaven. And when Jesus reached the end of his life, he says the most incredible thing. He says, Father, I thank you that I've completed all the work that you've given me to do. Why could he say that? Because his life was aligned with God's will. Now what about us? How can we align our lives with God's will? And it raises the question, what on earth, what on earth am I here for? And quite simply, you are here because God made you. And God made you because he loves you and he wants you to have a relationship with him where you can love him and trust him and know him. It's sort of like this. If, if, this is, if my right hand is you and this is God, this is what God wants. He wants this kind of relationship where we really know his heart and we know his purpose and we really love him. But here's the problem. There's something that separates us from God. Now, if you've been around BBCC for any length of time, you know what this Bible right now represents. What does it represent? What separates people from a holy God? Yeah, it's sin. And here's the thing. We might say, well, I'm going to turn over a new leaf. Well, guess what? Sin's still there. I'm going to turn my life around. Well, okay, but sin's still there because you can't get rid of it yourself. And this is the human dilemma. See, the Bible says that because God is holy and just, he has to punish every sin we've ever committed, and that just punishment is to die and to be separated from him forever. So God has to take the initiative because we are in a hopeless and helpless situation. And God does. And that is the story of redemption. You might call it the dance of redemption because Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, leaves his home in heaven with one express purpose, to take away our sin so that our relationship with God can be restored. So what happens is Jesus lives a perfect life, a life we could never live, and that qualifies him to be our substitute. And on the cross, if this is Jesus, 
God actually puts our sin on Jesus and punishes Jesus in our place. That, that song that we sang earlier in Christ Alone, it says that on the cross the wrath of God was satisfied. That's because it fell on Jesus instead of us. And, and here's, here's what happens. Jesus pays for our sin and then what happens? He dies. And to prove that God has accepted his son's life as payment for our sins, God raises Jesus back to life and Jesus says, hey, look, I have made it possible now for you to have a relationship with my father and with me because we love you. We want you to have a life of purpose and joy and peace, but you've got to do something. You've got to make a commitment to follow me. And friends, a life following Jesus really is a life of commitment where we say, you know, Lord, you're right. I'm a sinner. I believe you died and rose from the dead and I want to follow you. And listen, this is so important. In order to keep the other commitments in your life, your commitment to your wife or your husband or your kids or your job, it all begins with a commitment to Jesus Christ. And there's an incredible verse. Let me show you this. This is from 2 Chronicles. It says this, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Now think about that. God is looking for people whose hearts are fully committed to him. And what does he promise to do? To give you strength to give you power, and we need God's power to balance our lives and meet the demands that we face every day. Now, we're going to be talking more about this in the days to come, but very quickly, let me give you a, a basic outline for balancing your life, and this is on your outline. First of all, you have to do this. You have to evaluate your life. You have to take a look inside your heart and see what's going on, and King David talks about that in this psalm. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That's where it begins, inviting God to take a look at our hearts. And listen, if you want to know if your life is out of balance, ask somebody who knows you really well because that often can alert us to the fact that some changes need to be made. Now here's the second thing that you can do. Develop a map to close the gap. And let me explain that. There is a gap between the life that you have and the life that you want. Isn't that true? for each one of us. And the way that, that that gap is closed is with a map, and that stands for my action plan. You have to do something, you need some goals. Um, we're gonna be talking about habits in the next few weeks, about good habits and bad habits and how to establish different habits that will move us forward in balancing our lives. But let me say this, all the planning and all the goal setting in the world will accomplish absolutely nothing unless you have the power to achieve those goals. And here's where that power comes from, the third thing. Put Christ at the center of your life. Put Christ at the center of your life. Look at this verse. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. From apart from me, you could do how much? Nothing. I shared with first service that one of the... Uh, one of the places in my life when I get into trouble when it comes to being close to Jesus is when I simply think that I can handle stuff on my own. And there are days when, you know, you start your morning and there's nothing too intense and nothing too challenging. And, and I have this perception sometimes that, you know, Lord, if, if I run into a problem, I will let you know. I will pray right away, I promise. And I start doing things. And then what happens is these little things start to pile up. And before you know it, I'm frustrated and I'm tired and I'm reminded, hey, I need Jesus. And I think that one of the reasons the Bible says that we should pray about, how much, by the way? How much should we pray about? Everything. Is because if we don't, 
We're going to develop this attitude of self-reliance and pride that really moves us away from a Christ-centered life. And church, let me say this. What I want for myself and what I want for each one of you is the kind of life that God designed us to live. A life that really is filled with joy. How many of you would like more joy in your life? I mean, I would. How many of you would like more peace, some freedom from anxiety and worry? I mean, that's the kind of life that we really want to have, and God says it is possible if we have Christ at the center, because when Christ is at the center, everything else comes into balance. Let me just close with this thought. Um, last month at Christmas time, my wife Chris gave me the best gift. I was so excited. She gave me a record player. You know the ones that play the old vinyl disc? Some of you might even remember having one of those earlier in your life. But I was so excited, and I got even more excited because she gave me an album to play on my new record player. And it was an album that I really like. It's the Charlie Brown Christmas special, the jazz music, and I love jazz. And so I unwrapped that album and I put it on the record player and I turned up the volume. And then I walked across the room, I held out my hand, and I said to my wife, you wanna dance? And Chris took my hand and we danced by the Christmas tree. And it was one of the happiest moments of my life. And that morning, I was thinking about the fact that there is a day coming when Jesus is going to dance with his bride, the church. There's a day in heaven where there's going to be this incredible celebration. And it's going to be the church, us, dancing with Jesus. But friends, I know that we're not home yet. I know that this life can seem like anything but a dance. It can seem like we're just trying to get from one day to the next. I know that this world has a lot of pain and suffering and heartache and disappointment and all that stuff, but I also know this, that a relationship with Jesus Christ changes everything. And I believe that if Jesus were standing here this morning, he's here with us by his spirit, but if he were physically standing here, I think I know what Jesus would say to each of us. I think he would extend his hand and with these simple and life-changing words say, hey, want to dance? Let's pray. God, I thank you that Jesus loves us so very much, that he wants us to have a life that is so different often from the life we experience. And Lord, thank you for calling us to this life. And, and Lord, I know that it can only happen with you at the center. And I pray, Lord, for every single one of us that we would understand how to be closely connected to you, God, throughout the week and throughout the day. Lord, I pray that we would set aside our pride and our self-reliance and realize that we need to pray all the time about everything. God, I pray for the person maybe who for the very first time this morning has understood that they have a barrier between themselves and you and that barrier is sin and they need Jesus to take it away. And I pray that right here, right now, Lord, they would just simply in their heart say, Lord, I need your forgiveness because I'm a sinner. I believe that you died and rose again from the dead and I want to follow you. And Lord, that simple prayer, when it's prayed from the heart, changes everything. And God, for those of us who have stepped across this line of faith, I pray, Lord, that as we go forward, not just as individuals, God, but as a church, that it would be with Christ at the center and that we would realize that every moment of every day, we need you. And Father, I pray this, that as we stand in just a moment as we sing this last song 
that it wouldn't just be words on a screen, but it would be a prayer that comes from our heart, God, because we need you. Every hour, we need you. So Lord, please hear the prayer, the cry of our hearts now, for we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and sing together.